0: Would you open up in your Bibles to the Gospel of John? Chapter 20, there was a photographer for a national magazine who was assigned to get some photos of a great forest fire. And he went out to the area, but because of the greatness of the smoke, he was having a hard time getting the picture that he wanted. So he called back to his editor and he said, we need to hire an airplane. So they hired him an airplane. They said, get on down to the airport right away. There's a plane waiting for you. So he gets on down to the airport. There's a plane in the drive in the runway. He hops in. He yells to the pilot. He said, "Let's go, let's go," and they head on up. And he says, "Now head to the north side of the fire and fl- and fly about three or four times down low." And the pilot said, "Well, how come?" He said, "Well, he says I need to get a picture of the fire. I'm a photographer. That's what I do." And the pilot looked at him funny for a moment. He says, "You mean you're not the instructor?" <laughs> It's nothing worse than getting into a situation and you think you have help and you find out that you don't. Sometimes, in the area of healing, we have been under instruction for so long that we lose sight of the help that we need and some of the things that are going on. Some time ago, we took up the thing looking at some obstacles for healing. And we titled this series, we're starting a new series today on healing. We told you this was coming. For those who are in the Wednesday night and for the Sunday morning, uh, the the Sunday afternoon questions class, you all get privileged information and you have the heads up on more of the things that were coming out of this. If you don't come out, you don't get privileged information. (laughs) But we want to take another look at healing because some of these things are just good to be reminded of. One of the things that we had looked at some time ago back on Resurrection Sunday was some obstacles to healing. That there are three reasons that people do not receive healing. I still haven't come up with the fourth. I've only found three reasons that people don't come up with that don't get healing. We gave you these before. You can probably remember them. Disobedience, unbelief, and ignorance. Disobedience, unbelief, and ignorance. If you remember correctly, we gave you the acronym DUI. Disobedience, unbelief, and ignorance to help you remember. We said too many Christians are going around DUI. That's why they're not getting their healing. One thing or another. Either they're disobedient, in unbelief, or in ignorance. Now, last time we looked at some of the disobedient side. And for those of you who were here on that day, we talked to you about that uh, CD set that Brother Hagen had. The most important message you'll ever hear. It's a two, D- two CD set. And some of you wanted some more of them to come on in. They're back there. We held them for those five who ordered them. Last week, three people didn't get them. So now they're up for grabs. But if you did order one, you want it, get on back there, get on back there. It is a good series. I know a few of you. Elizabeth was giving us some stuff yesterday about the things she was saying. Boy, that's all testimony stuff there. That's that's good. But disobedience, unbelief, and ignorance. We're going to look at these things more in, in the time to come. We also said there's three ways that you receive your healing. Three ways that you receive your healing. By faith. Faith is the first way. That you receive healing because of the faith that's in you. Second way that we saw in the Word of God that people received healing was through compassion. That Jesus healed many people through His compassion. Not their their faith wasn't involved at all, it was just that Jesus was compassionate. And the third way we saw that people were healed was a combination of the two. That where the faith was lacking, the compassion of God made up for it. Three ways that you can receive healing from God. Three obstacles that stand in your way to receiving healing. If we can identify the obstacles in our life, and if I can understand how to get into the flow of how God administers healing, there is really nothing I can't be healed of. And I can overcome any healing obstacle in my life. Too many times we're ignorant, we're in disbelief about things of the Word of God. And because of that, we're not receiving healing. We're walking in disobedience in some areas. God's been dealing with us in the Spirit. We're not listening. And we go into prayer lines... We put in the prayer cards. We call up the different ministries to get prayer. But we're still seeing the same thing. One of the questions we want to endeavor to ask is, what is it that you should receive when you get in a prayer line? Now, most of you are going to have an obvious answer. And I'll bet the answer I'll show you down the road. Not today. But I'll bet the answer I'll show you from the Word of God. Not from my opinion. Not from other people's opinion. But from the Word of God. The answer to what you should receive in a prayer line is probably different than what you're thinking of. So we'll get there. Because if you come up into a prayer line and you pray expecting to receive something and don't get it, isn't it easy to come away from there thinking, I didn't get it. And your faith doesn't get ministered to and you get in doubt and unbelief. If you don't know what it is that you are supposed to receive, then you won't know if you got it. So again, we'll get into that down the road here. But here we want to take a look at one aspect of this in in particular. We looked at disobedience last time. And if you get those CDs by Brother Hagen, he does a nice job. Great stories on uh, areas of that. And they're good for you to catch hold of. But we want to first off and understand what unbelief is. We're going to focus on that one today. We've got to understand what unbelief is. There's a lot of folks who have heard of unbelief. They know about unbelief. But quite truthfully, they don't know what unbelief really is. And I don't want to define it for you. I don't want to go into the Greek and pull out the Greek definition. I want to show you what unbelief is as far as Jesus understands it from the Word of God. Because I think if we understand what Jesus understands about unbelief, that's the best thing. A lot of times we've defined unbelief in a lot of ways it has brought confusion and we haven't really battled the right thing. Sometimes, I'll bet you right now that some of you think that you are in unbelief in a matter in your life and when we get finished this, you may find out I'm not in unbelief at all. And some of you folks who thought I'm not in unbelief may find out I am in unbelief. But we want to say see what this is from the word of God. In John chapter 20 verse 24. Now Thomas Called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Which means Jesus appeared to them, and Thomas wasn't with them. So he didn't see that. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus identifies for us that Thomas is in an unbelieving state. So if we can understand what Thomas has done to put himself in an unbelieving state, we're on our way to understanding what true unbelief is, aren't we? Jesus calls calls Thomas an unbeliever in this matter. That he is not in faith. Some translations read, be not faithless. So Jesus calls Thomas unbelieving. Or, if you have another translation, he calls him faithless. How many times have we thought that unbelief is struggling with the ability to believe? Unbelief is struggling with the ability to believe. Is Thomas struggling to believe? He is not struggling to believe, is he? What Thomas has done is that people have seen Jesus show up and they came to Thomas. These are not fly-by-nighters. These are not people that Thomas doesn't know. Thomas knows these people. These are the disciples. And they come to him and say, We have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, Unless I see the holes in his hand, see the, the cut in the side, unless I see that, unless I put my finger in the hole and hand in the side, unless I see that, I will not believe. What has Thomas done? Thomas has rejected truth. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. Unbelief. This is not the only place we're going to show you this. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. You do not find in the Word of God people labeled as being unbelievers who are struggling to get their faith stronger so that they believe. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. Thomas rejects the truth. He hears it, but he rejects it as being false. Even though he hears it from people that he knows. I put this in your outline. It is not possible to be in unbelief about something in which you have never heard. It is not possible to be in unbelief about something in which you have never heard. If you never heard the truth, you can't be in unbelief of it, can you? Because unbelief is the rejection of truth. He does not here reject what he heard as untrue. He does not, I'm sorry, he does not hear and rejects what he heard. He doesn't hear it. I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing that you saw Jesus. No, I'm not hearing that. He rejects what he heard as being untrue. So again, I'd repeat this for you. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. I want you to get that down. I hope you have that a whole part of you that unbelief is the rejection of truth. You cannot be an unbeliever unless you have rejected something. Doesn't that help you? Well, let's take a look at this in some other places. In Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing were astonished saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this in which is given to him? That such mighty works are performed in His hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not His sisters here with us? And they were offended at Him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Now, He could do no mighty work there except that He laid His hands on a few sick people and healed them. And He marveled because of their... What did they do? Were they struggling to get into faith? They were not trying, were they? Why? Because they rejected the truth. They rejected Jesus as being the healer. They rejected it based on, we know Jesus. We know His brothers. We know His sisters. He grew up here among us. Who is He? They rejected the truth based on familiarity. They knew Jesus too well. He marveled because of their unbelief. Then He went about the villages and the circuit teaching. Well, the way that you combat unbelief is teaching more truth until you can get truth in there that someone accepts. When you get people to accept the truth, you can get them out of an unbelieving state. But as long as they're in a state of rejecting the truth, they are an unbeliever. So Jesus calls the people of His hometown... Unbelieving. They are not unbelieving because they haven't heard. We said already, they do not struggle trying to believe. They reject what they see and hear. Anytime you find unbelief, anytime you find unbelief, you will also find rejection. Whenever you find unbelief, you will find rejection of truth. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 16. And He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be. What would cause them to not believe? They reject the truth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So the believers are those who accept it and the unbelievers are those who reject it. And you see, rejection of the truth, what it is. Well, we go back in the Old Testament, you can find other places where this is true. In the Old Testament, you have Israel. Israel comes to the, to, um, the promised land the first time. And they had the truth. The truth was, I'm going to bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey and I'm going to deliver the inhabitants into your hand. And they came and they saw, truly it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But the inhabitants were bigger. And they decided that they could not overcome them. Therefore, they rejected the promise because they rejected the truth that God would deliver the inhabitants into their hand. And they were called unbelievers. Oh, unbelieving generation. Oh, faithless generation. And God said, that's it. We're going to wipe out this faithless generation. We're going to wipe out this unbelieving generation because they rejected the truth. Like we said already, you cannot be an unbeliever on what you don't know. The only thing that you can be an unbeliever of is what you know. And what labels you as an unbeliever is a rejection of truth. You reject truth. Generally, when we are faced with a situation in our life, let's pick a health situation. You get the call. You get the report from the doctor. Whatever it is, whatever comes. And the doctor says thus about you. You've got six months to live. What do we have an opportunity here to do? I am going to accept a truth and I am going to reject I'm going to accept something I'm going to reject something. I'm going to do both things, aren't I? I'm either going to accept the doctor's report and reject what the Word of God says. Isn't that right? And therefore, I am an unbeliever in regards to the Word of God. But am I not also truly a believer? I'm a believer in the doctor. In the doctor's report. Am I not a believer in those things? So I'm a believer because I accept the doctors report I'm an unbeliever with God because I reject His Word. The problem is not so much in the faith area, it's what you're believing in and what you're rejecting. But we so much have this view of doubt and unbelief that i oh, I got to go through this struggle. i got to get myself to that place where I my faith is greater than my doubt, where I can eradicate unbelief from my life. And we told you there is resident unbelief. Jesus identifies it. And He says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. doesn't even say for that one that it's determination and willpower. But here unbelief. He's categorizing these folks as people who reject the truth. Just don't reject the truth. Walk along this way. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 now. When He concluded all His sayings in the hearing of the people, He entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to Him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to Him pleading with Him to come and heal His servant. He sent elders of the Jews to Him pleading with Him to come and to heal His servant. What caused the centurion to go to Jesus? When he heard about Jesus. So what he does is he hears some things said about Jesus, and he has a choice right there, doesn't he? He can be a believer or an unbeliever. A believer would be categorized by one who accepted the things that were said about Jesus and operated in a certain way. An unbeliever would be one who would reject these things about Jesus. You could be one or the other. So when he heard about Jesus, He was ignorant of Jesus before. At least he was ignorant of Jesus in this area. But when he heard about Jesus, he then acted on it. He heard about Jesus. Mark chapter 5. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years. Verse 26, "...and had suffered many things from many physicians." She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, if only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She heard about Jesus. So what did she do? Accepted that as being truth and acted on it. She was a believer because she acted on the truth about Jesus. Now, if you were in the devil's camp, wouldn't you call her an unbeliever? You've got to think about that one for a little bit, don't you? If you were in the devil's camp, wouldn't you call her an unbeliever? Because she's not believing in the things that are of that camp. So, she, in the devil's camp, she'd be an unbeliever But in God's camp, she'd be a believer. In the same way, the one who is an unbeliever from God's point of view is a believer from the devil's point of view. So you're going to accept one truth or you're going to accept the other truth. So really, truthfully, no one is an unbeliever altogether. You're either a believer in one aspect of truth or you're a believer in the other aspect of truth. But God only cares about His perspective in this. Are you a believer from my perspective? Or are you an unbeliever from my perspective? The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. I love some of Doug Jones' teaching he did on this. He was talking about this and he said that one time he was driving in his car. Driving in his car down the road and he'd been teaching on this woman for a number of years. A number of times taught on this woman and things. And all of a sudden the question came up and he said, what else did the woman with the issue of blood overcome in her life beside her, her healing? And he answered and he said, well, nothing. That's all that she did. And, and a little bit later, the same question came up in him. What else did the woman of the issue of blood overcome? And well, eventually he had to get on back and broke out the Bible and started studying it and looking it over. And he, he saw this, taught this to us. When she heard about Jesus... She overcame her ignorance first, didn't she? When she overcame her ignorance, she was presented with truth and she decided to believe in that truth and acted upon it and got herself healed. Blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. And as it went out of Jericho and his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, it doesn't say so here, but obviously this guy heard about Jesus because when he heard Jesus was coming, the things that he knew about Jesus, he began to put to work. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. If we go on with the rest of the story, Jesus calls mountains. What do you want me to do? I want to see. And he saw. It. his eyes were opened because he decided to accept truth, and became a believer. I noticed that none of these places talk about the level of faith these guys had. Did you notice that? Not one of these places we looked at in the Word of God talks about that their level was high, their level was medium, their level was low. But isn't that what our focus is when we get on the area of unbelief? How high is my faith in this area? How low is my faith in this area? Mark chapter 7. The Syrophoenician woman. Verse 25. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about Him, and when she came and fell at His feet, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking Him to cast the demon out of her daughter. When she heard about Him, she acted on it. When she heard about Him, when she heard about Him, she acted on it. Does it focus anywhere in there about how great her faith was? Not until later on, Jesus does make the comment, "Great is your faith," but not until then. Well, our focus is on the wrong thing. We're trying to get a level. I got to get my faith level higher than my doubt level. If I get my faith level higher than my doubt level, if I can struggle and work and get this thing over, then and get my doubt level down, my faith level up, I can receive the thing I have. Then I can overcome unbelief in my life. Responding to the truth. Not rejecting it, but acting on the thing that you know to be true. I'll give you an example like this. If you were over uh, the Grand Canyon, over the Grand Canyon for a vacation, enjoying a nice vacation, and they had one of those bridges across the Grand Canyon that you see in the movies that the tribes are making. The ropes... And the wooden planks. And it wobbles. And it sways with the wind. And they got this bridge going over the Grand Canyon. And you saw that bridge. And you saw a couple of people. Go and walk over that bridge. And get to the other side. You have been presented with the truth. This bridge can get you to the other side. But you now have the ability to reject. Or accept that truth what would constitute you accepting the truth that that bridge would hold you? If you were to stand on the one side and and someone came up to you and said, do you believe that bridge can hold you? Yeah. Well, then why don't you go across? Are you truly accepting the truth? Well, you accept the truth to a degree, but not enough to act on it. You become a believer when you accept the truth to the degree that you act on it. And you just go on across that bridge. You just get on over there. That's what you have to do. Faith is... We talked a bit about it before. just said it differently. Faith is acting on the Word of God. That's all that it is. You accept what the Word of God said is true and you act act on it. You act on it like it's true. You act on it like God means it. That's what faith is. Unbelief is nothing more than not acting... On the Word of God that you know. That's unbelief. It is not acting on the Word of God that you know. You can operate in belief on a truth of the Word of God and then all of a sudden operate in unbelief by not acting on it, by stopping yourself, by quitting. Just act on the Word of God, act on it like it's so. Well, when we get into the Old Testament. You've got an entire nation of people marching around Jericho. This is a whole nation of people somewhere between 2 and 4 million people. Do you think that it is possible to get, to get 2 to 4 million people to not have any doubt in their life? Do you think it was possible to have two to four million people walking around Jericho once each day for six days and then on the seventh day, seven times? Do you think that it is possible that every single one of those persons walking around there was an absolute total faith in that they did not doubt that on the seventh day that wall was coming down? Do you think that happened? Mm -hmm. Folks, we can't get 30 people together. And have them be in total belief on a thing. How are you going to get two to four million people? But what did you have? You had two to four million people, none of them in the camp, all of them walking around the city. You had two to four million people acting in obedience. How about going to the River of Jordan? They come to the river, it's not like the Red Sea crossing. Red Sea Crossing had parted and they walked across. The the Jordan River Crossing, they came to the river and nothing happened until the ark, the people carrying the ark stepped in to the Jordan River and then it began to part. Can you imagine getting two to four million people to gather at the river? Because we're going to the other side. We're going to walk across. Just walk right on over. And the people, two to four million people look at the river Nothing happened to the river. Two to four million people, all of them say, you know what, this can happen. But what did you have? Two to four million people all came to the sideline, didn't stay in the camp. Two to four million people packed up their stuff, ready to go. You had two to four million people who were ready. Two to four million people who accepted it as truth, even though inside they may have been struggling a little bit. Then the man come to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe. Help now my unbelief. He realized in himself, I've got, un- there's areas in me right now I'm not believing. When Jesus has the, the little girl who died, he was going to go and heal her and uh, they didn't get there in time and she died and all the mourners are outside and he gets to the room and all these mourners and he says, oh, she's just sleeping. Oh, she's just, we're going to go in there and get her up. And what did they all do? They rejected the truth. So what does Jesus do with them? He puts them out. He takes mom and dad into the room. Are mom and dad in the room saying, Yeah! We can do this! Raise her up, Jesus! Are they doing that? Uh Uh-uh. They're not doing that. They're not in that They're not in that way. There are people that Jesus turns to and says, Look, just just hold on. Just hold just all things are possible. Just hold on. When he comes to the tomb of Lazarus, and he's met by Mary and Martha, were they pillars of faith, as we would define it? No unbelief residing in them at all. They're all, oh, you got here too late. Oh, it could have happened. It could have been healed. It could have been a good thing. But even though they were not in a state of faith to believe for this, they went down to the tomb. And when Jesus said, move the stone, then they all rose up in faith and said, Yeah, we can do this, right? They said, Behold, he's going to smell. They said, roll away. Did they roll the stone away?" If, Je- if they would have said to Jesus, "We are not rolling that stone away." What would Jesus have done? He would have sent them away, and got some other people, brought them on around. We need some, some people that are going to act on this thing. We need some. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. Can you see that? Do we need more stories? Stop measuring your your faith and comparing it to your doubt. Stop measuring your faith and comparing it to the thing that's in front of you. Measure your acceptance of truth and your actions upon it. Just act on what you say you believe is true. That's all. Just act on it. You say that you believe that. You say that it's true. Israel believes. God's going to deliver Jericho into our hands. So God says, alright, I am. Now, march around it. That's not exactly probably the way they thought of it. About it being delivered. But they went ahead and did it. Jehoshaphat's got an army. And God says, put the praises in front. Now, I'll bet you, you can find some people in that army. Who said, you know what? I don't think we can take these guys. But... They did what God said. And they acted on it, which means they accepted it as truth, even though they didn't understand it. And a great miracle came out. There was another great host that was coming against Israel. And God says, go on down into the valley and dig holes. Why are we digging holes? What are do we doing digging holes? That's, ridic- that's the most ridiculous battle strategy I've ever heard of. Go out there in the valley and dig holes. But God said, go out to the valley and dig holes. So they went out in the valley and they dug holes. And then God had water come in and fill up all those holes. And when the army came on down, they saw the water and the way the sun reflected off it. They said it looked like blood and they all got all excited. They said, oh, they all fought each other, killed each other and went on down. And in the maze and the mess that was all there, ended up killing each other. Great victory for Israel. But what did they do? Were they do you think all those people were total believers? That you know what? I believe in this whole theology. I believe in this strategy of digging holes to kill soldiers. But what did they do? They acted on it and they believed it. You got the guy who had the the mud put on his eyes. Go wash. He got mad. What did he do? He rejected the truth. He was an unbeliever. But he turned himself from being an unbeliever, became a believer by acting on the truth. And he went washed. Washed the mud off. That's all he had to do. It's simply by acting. You take what God says, and God says you accept it by acting. But so often we're thinking that God is spending time evaluating our heart to determine whether it is that we have enough faith in there so that when we're doing this are we really where we should be? And can He come through for us? And yet in the Word of God we don't find Him measuring people. We see that if they acted, He did. But if you believe going into a situation That God is going to measure and examine your faith. See if it's good enough. to See if you have enough. Make sure that all doubt and unbelief is is eradicated before He'll come on through and, and do all that for you. If you believe that, how many times does Jesus say, as you believe, as you believe, it's as you believe. So stop believing that way. And accept what the truth of the Word of God is. In order for you to be a believer, you must hear the truth and accept the truth. Just because you hear truths that are supposed to be from the Word of God and act on them, if they are not truly truths from the Word of God and you act on them, what are you going to be? You may be a believer in those truths, but they may not be taking you in the right direction. If you believe that God, when you get in that prayer line, the whole time you're in there, prayer oh, I've got to get myself somber. Holy. got to have holy thoughts. got to get myself prepped. Ready. Oh, I hope I get rid of all doubt and unbelief. I'm getting rid of it right now. Getting rid of all doubt and unbelief and I'm going to get there. But I don't find that the woman with the issue of blood, that anything is made of her getting rid of anything in her life. All I find her doing is hearing about Jesus and acting on the Word. I don't hear about blind Bartimaeus getting all the things in his life gone that would be akin to doubt and unbelief. Building up his faith. Showing up in the synagogue every Saturday. Praying. Medit- I'm building up my faith, I'm building up my faith, I'm getting myself ready. All I find is that people, when they acted on the Word of God, were no longer in a state of being classified as an unbeliever and were classified as a believer and Jesus ministered to them. Put in your outline that not hearing is the cause of ignorance. Not hearing is the cause of ignorance. What we do after we hear defines belief or unbelief. What we do after we hear, defines belief or unbelief. That's going to define it for you. What are you going to do? There are people that have gotten up in prayer lines, worked themselves up into a holy frenzy, got prayed for, and went on down. And Did you get anything? I don't know. Why do you do that? I don't know. To become a believer means to accept the truth, believe it to be true, and act on it. Act on it. If I understand that, and if I come and receive the truth, I'm a receiver, I'm not a rejecter, I receive the truth, and I act on it, what should I get? When you got born again, did you not act on truth? Did you not hear a truth? that he who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ could be saved. Right? No. He who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ might be saved. No. He who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. So if you go up, make the sinner's prayer, do whatever it is that you did to get saved, and someone says to you, did you get saved? What do you say? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. What did the Word of God say? Shall be saved. Shall be saved. The problem is, folks, we haven't screened out the truth that we're receiving and received the true truth, acted on the true truth, that's why we're not getting the thing that we want. We're acting on opinions. We're acting on hearsay. We're acting on stuff I want. But if I truly understand what the Word of God says, that's why we've always told you, you must, as far as the Word of God is concerned, you must see what the Word teaches and what it demonstrates. Because if it is an important doctrine, it will be taught and it will be demonstrated. We're not just telling you that the Word of God teaches you that this is what unbelief is. I'm showing you documented cases where this is it. This is unbelief. If you want to be an unbeliever, reject the truth. If you want to be a believer, accept it. Act on it. And when you start acting on it, stop sitting there trying to evaluate yourself. Well, am I acting on it good enough? Am I really... I mean, I know I'm I'm here and I'm doing this thing, but... On the inside, I'm I'm probably just doubting, unbelief. That must be what it is. And we'll come up there. We'll understand. I get hands laid for me, hands laid on me. I understand the word of God says, have hands laid on you, you can receive healing. So I had hands laid on me. But I don't know. There may have been. I may have been doubting on the inside. I don't know. Something may have been going on. There may have been a sin. I may be guilty of some sin that I don't know about. Haven't we brought these excuses up? Had these things come about in us? Instead of being sure. I'll give you a wartime example. What defines a courageous act on the battlefield? What defines bravery on the battlefield? Is it not in the face of danger doing what needs to be done to help the cause, further the battle, save some people? take a hill or whatever, something that furthers the cause in the face of it? Do they have degrees of medals? Well, how scared were you when you were doing that? I was was pretty scared. Boy, then we don't give you as good of a medal. When they give out a medal for courage, bravery on the battlefield, isn't it one medal? If you accomplish it, how do they measure whether you accomplish it or not? when in the face of danger, you did what was threatening your life to help other people. They don't evaluate, well, how scared were you? But yeah, we'll get up there in the prayer line and we'll, well, how, how, I don't know how much I was really believing that. I don't know, maybe I wasn't totally gotten rid of all my doubt and unbelief. Maybe some of it still lingered. Maybe that's what, uh, maybe I won't get anything because maybe that was, that was going on in there. Unbelief, folks, is the rejection of truth. That's why we're spending so much time on it. You've got to get a hold of this one. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. And most Christians who are saved, following after God, especially Spirit-filled believers, most Christians do not reject the truth. Once they hear the truth, they accept it. Most. I know you always have a few Christians out there. But most Christians, when they hear the truth, accept it. Stop evaluating this other stuff. See, what it is, is the devil looks for an open door. You've been in this church, for some of you folks have been in this church for a while. Before you were here, you were at other faith churches telling you that Jesus was the healer. How many of you people here in the audience today know, raise your hand on this one, not an inside hand, but raise your hand on this one, know that Jesus is your healer? There is no doubt you know Jesus heals people today. Then if you were the devil, would you attack you on that? Why in the world would he attack you in an area that you are so strong on? You know Jesus is the healer. He's not going to come over. You don't battle it in your thoughts. Well, Jesus might not be the healer anymore. That might have stopped in the 50s. He doesn't hit you with that. He's got to hit you with something That you'll believe. So if He hits you with the truth, Jesus is no longer the healer. What do you do with that truth? I reject it as being truth and categorize it as false and I reject it and I become an unbeliever in that truth because I am a believer in Jesus as the healer. So what He has to do is come after you in areas where you are ignorant and vulnerable. Ignorant and vulnerable. And he's got to come in and give you something that sounds like it could be true, because if he gets you to accept that truth, by accepting that truth, you categorize, you can categorically reject the truth in that area. And so he's got you as a believer on his truth in that area. Here's the point. Here's the, here's here's where you see it. When you come up in that prayer line and you get hit, are you sure that you didn't doubt? Are you sure that there wasn't any sin in your life? Are you sure there was no cause for you not to receive that? Are you sure that there was enough faith and power in the service? I don't know. I didn't really feel any faith and power in the service. Just went up and got prayed for because I said so. The healing service. That's what you do. And uh, I don't know. I thought I thought I, I thought it was okay, but you know, maybe there was maybe there was a little bit of doubt. And then the devil gets in there and begins to replay some things, maybe some things that happened that morning before you went off to the service. Oh, I got mad. Yeah, that probably got in my way. That's probably why I didn't receive anything. And I got prayed for. That probably got in my... Yeah, 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 that was it. Oh. I wanted that to be it too. I wanted to have received it. Talks me out of it. Why? Because I don't know any better. I'm ignorant. Being a believer, folks, is just believing the truth that God has said. That's all there is to it. The woman with the issue of blood was not a stellar believer in the church. We don't even know if she went to church. We just know that when she heard about Jesus, she said, I know if I touch just the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she was. Blind Bartimaeus. If I can get in front of Jesus. The centurion. If we can get Jesus to come on down here, she'll be made well. Why? Because he heard about Jesus. And he acted on it. We don't even know. How good of a man the guy was. I mean, they had some people, some, some character witnesses there. Stop being an unbeliever. One more thing. Faith is not as much the absence of uncertainty as it is the acceptance of truth. Faith is not as much the absence of uncertainty as it is the acceptance of truth. Folks, if you really understand this, it should liberate you. God does not have me under a magnifying glass to evaluate whether or not He should do this thing. If I merely act on the truth that I know, God does stuff. That's what I need to know. God moves on my behalf if I act on the truth that I know. Folks, this is why when we have prayer lines, I want you to ask me or someone else. Ask us up here to pray for you. I want you to ask for it. Because when you ask, and I, and sometimes when you're up here, my wife and I, whoever it is praying, we'll ask you, what are you believing for? Well, this is what I want to have happen. And many of you will say, this is the Word of God I'm standing on. Good, good. when you do what you have to do, God does what He said He'll do. He'll do it. Get yourself in a place of faith. That's all. And and just do what God says. Well, Father, I'm just doing. There's some uncertainty in me. I'm still doing it. I'm walking across that bridge over the Grand Canyon. I'm looking over the side. Wow, that is a drop. I'm feeling the bridge wave a little bit. But you know what? You acted. You're walking across the bridge. I notice that the bridge doesn't determine, you know what? You didn't walk across me with enough faith. I'm going to drop you. It doesn't do that. And it won't do it for you either. There's a number of things that can come up in the area of, that, that, that will block our healing. And most of them has to do with the Ignorance. Things that we don't know. Things that have gotten inside of us and i put stock in it. I've become a believer in those truths. But they're not truths from the Word of God. And because I became a believer in those truths, I became an unbeliever in what God wanted me to do. In what God was asking me to do. And I didn't act on what God said. I acted on these other things. And the reason that I'm not seeing what I want to see is because I'm not acting on what I'm supposed to act on. If you act on what the Word of God says, you will get it. As we get on through here, you're going to find out some things you have to change in your attitude towards having hands laid on you. Some things you have to change in your attitude when you leave having hands laid on you. Some things that you need to do in your actions, in your conversation, the way that you talk about things afterwards. All this stuff will become changed when you become a believer in the truth. And a believer is one who acts on it. Whether you totally understand it or whether all uncertainty is gone, it don't make any difference. It doesn't matter that you have X amount of faith. What matters is that you act on the Word that you know. God is not sitting there saying, well, you don't believe this. I love one of the things that Brother Hagin told us that God had ministered to him when he was laying on the bed and getting ready to die. And he said, Father, I, you, you know, I'm a believer. I believe if you were to come down here this today, I'd tell you I'm a believer. And if you called me an unbeliever, I'd call you a liar. He was that settlement. And the word of God came up on the inside of me. He says, You believe as far as you know. If you want to accomplish great things or overcome great things in your life, folks, you need great revelation. You need great Word. And God will give it to you. He just speaks it to you. And then all you got to do is act on it. And you're a believer. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You. Oh, glory to God. We believe Jesus is our healer. But it goes beyond that. We believe that we receive the things that You say we receive when we do what we're supposed to do. All these examples we looked at today. People who heard about Jesus and it caused an action on their part. We're ready to act, Father. We're ready to act like believers. Not like unbelievers. We're ready to act on the truth from God's Word. And not truth that comes from other places. We are ready to receive your promises. There is nothing in our life that is too great. That you cannot overcome. When we hear your truth. And act on it. You bring it about. Ask our ushers to come forward.